Before we get started with today's episode, I just had to say as a disclaimer that none of what I say in this podcast is actual advice. If you really feel like you have a mental health disorder or are dealing with anything personally, please seek out professional help. And again, none of what I say in this podcast is actual advice. So thank you guys, and let's get started with today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Sum of Life podcast. I'm your host, Liam Scully. Today we're going to be closely examining OCD, the main subtypes, I guess you can call them, or the main categories of OCD, and really just going to be talking about what those categories are, what they entail, summing up essentially what OCD is, and then we're going to be talking about who gets OCD, what causes OCD, how is it diagnosed, how is it treated, and how can you find help for OCD, and what are some other disorders that are related to OCD. So those are going to be the main topics that we focus on today. I'm assuming this episode is going to be a little longer just because it's almost going to be like a deep dive going into OCD. I'm going to try to be as detailed as possible, so let's get right into it. So I should mention right off the bat that all the information that I'm getting is from the International OCD Foundation, or IOCDF.org, and I'll leave the links in the description below. And the other website that I'm getting the information from is from ocduk.org. So just from personal research, I think both of these websites are extremely useful in providing information on OCD, which is why I'm going to be sharing them with you. So let's first go over what OCD is. OCD is a mental health disorder that affects people of all ages, and it affects roughly 1% of the U.S. population, with the average age of onset being 19 and 25% of cases occurring by age 14. And OCD stands for Obsessive Compulsive Disorder. So obsessions being unwanted intrusive thoughts, images, or urges that trigger intensely distressing feelings. And then the C for compulsions, compulsions being the behaviors an individual engages in to attempt to get rid of the obsession and or decrease his or her distress. And I should also mention that I think OCD is very commonly misunderstood. For example, I actually thought I had just panic disorder when in reality I actually have OCD, and I will probably touch more on my story in this a little bit, but I just want to focus on what OCD is specifically, but I have contamination OCD. But I just want to say that like one of the common misconceptions are that people who clean things all the time find themselves to be OCD-like or they think that they have OCD. I would imagine that most of those people don't actually have OCD. That's more of just wanting to be clean. If it was truly OCD, you would find yourself constantly cleaning over and over again things that you have already cleaned, and you would have rumination over wanting to clean those things again and again. So if you walk away from it after having just cleaned it, you would not stop thinking about the small parts of your desk that need to be cleaned further, and that would be the obsessive thoughts, and then the compulsion would actually be doing it and cleaning it over and over again. So I hope that clears up even just a little bit of the common misconceptions around OCD. Someone that just makes everything neat and orderly and then walks away from it, I'm sure does not have OCD. That's just being organized and clean. So back to the information, let's get back into what obsessions and compulsions really are, which I just touched on a little bit. But obsessions are thoughts, images, or impulses that occur over and over again and feel outside of the person's control. People with OCD that have these thoughts find themselves to not want these thoughts and they find those thoughts to be disturbing. And even if you do have OCD, like this website says, that you realize most of these thoughts are ridiculous or don't make any sense or reason for why you have to do those things. 
or why you think that you have to do those things. But what makes OCD a disorder and those obsessions a disorder is that they're typically accompanied by intense and uncomfortable feelings such as fear, disgust, doubt, or a feeling that things have to be done in a way that is quote-unquote just right. And these can be extremely frustrating because someone with OCD can have these obsessions and these obsessive thoughts or intrusive thoughts that they find to be really time-consuming and get in the way of a lot of important activities or just daily activities throughout one's life. Especially even if, like it says in this information and this detail of the first paragraph, that even if you value something, you can find that hard to do just because of the obsessive thoughts that you're currently having about it. And this is a very good way to distinguish between being obsessed with something like we hear all the time and actually having obsessive thoughts for someone with OCD, such as you can be obsessed with a new song or a new movie that just came out, but you can still go do normal things. You don't necessarily think about those things inhibiting you in any way or doing anything that prevents you from doing a certain activity, whereas someone with OCD might find it really hard to actually go out with their friends because their obsessive thoughts are so strong. And I'm just going to go over compulsions really quick before I get into the main categories or types of OCD. So compulsions are the second part of obsessive compulsive disorder, and they are repetitive behaviors or thoughts that a person uses with the intention of neutralizing, counteracting, or making their obsessions go away. And most people with OCD will actually realize that it is only a temporary solution, but without a treatment plan or help that they need, they will find themselves acting upon these compulsions to temporarily escape those obsessive thoughts. And other compulsions can also include avoiding behaviors and situations that can trigger obsessions. And then these can also lead to rituals. So you might find yourself doing the same thing over and over again to try to relieve yourself of the obsession, even if it's just momentarily or briefly, which is when OCD really becomes a problem and an issue for most people in their life. And of course, everyone is different, so their compulsions and rituals and obsessions too will, of course, be different from one person to the next, although they might be very similar. So those are obsessions and compulsions. And with that basic understanding, let's move into the common obsessions that we see in OCD. The first one that is mentioned is the one that I mentioned earlier that I currently have is contamination OCD. And this could be due to the fear of germs, such as catching coronavirus, that is probably a huge one right now, or contracting some type of STD. You can also have the fear of environmental contaminations, like asbestos or radiation, or breathing in too much CO2 from the atmosphere, something almost ridiculous. Other things include household chemicals, such as cleaners or solvents. And then lastly, it says dirt can also be a contamination obsession. The next category, and I should say some of these I believe cross over to each other sometimes. Uh, I just found that with myself that I have maybe some of the categories, but not all of them. So I can have two, but not specifically just one. So you might find yourself, if you do have OCD, that you can have this whole other fear and it just comes in randomly. Or, of course, if you have OCD, I'm sure you're more prone to developing something like that. But... I don't believe that you just have to have one category of OCD. You can probably have multiple or it could also just be one as well. But the next category is losing control. This is a fear of just basically losing all control of your actions or impulse to harm yourself or others. Your fear of violent or horrific images or the fear of blurting something out that sounds horrible in front of a crowd or something. 
And the last one is kind of strange, but it's the fear of stealing things. Again, going back to the point that you have lost all control and you're just stealing things without even knowing it. The next category is harm. And this is the fear of being responsible for something terrible happening, such as a fire or a burglary. Fear of harming others because of not being careful enough. Something that I have looked into a lot because I actually kind of have this fear as well is if I hit a bump in the road, I'm really afraid that it was a person. And sometimes I'll go back even just to check, which is actually part of OCD is checking, which we'll get into in a second or in a couple minutes. But that's also a common form of harm, OCD. Next category is obsessions related to perfectionism. And this is just concerns about wanting to be perfect, exact, things needing to be perfect and exact, concern with a need to know or remember, fear of losing information or forgetting information, and the inability to decide whether to keep or to discard things, which could also just lead to hoarding. Next category is the obsession of unwanted sexual thoughts. So these can be forbidden or perverse sexual thoughts or images, obsessions about sexual orientation, sexual obsessions that involve children or incest, obsessions about aggravation, obsessions about aggressive sexual behaviors towards others, and obsessions about forbidden or perverse sexual impulses about others. And the last category is religious obsessions, and this is with the concern of offending God or concern about blasphemy and also the excessive concern with right or wrong morality. And they also just list other obsessions that can be common in people with OCD is like health, anxiety, getting a physical illness or disease, and superstitious ideas about being lucky or unlucky. This could be that you have like a favorite number and you always use that number when you're buying a lottery ticket or something similar to that. So those are a lot of the common obsessions that we see in OCD and a lot of the categories and the main categories that we see in the obsessive part of OCD. So let's get to the common compulsions part and aspect of OCD. And these basically go in the same order. So with contamination OCD, you can have washing and cleaning compulsions where you wash your hands obsessively or excessively in a certain way. Like you have to get every nook and cranny between your fingers every time you wash your hands and it has to be exactly for 30 seconds or else that you feel your obsessive thoughts will still be there. And this can go for anything like showering, bathing, brushing your teeth, or grooming. Other things can be, like I said earlier, cleaning household items or other things excessively and doing things to prevent from contaminations being in your area. So like I said earlier, you will clean over and over and over again. The next common compulsion is checking. I also touched on this briefly, but checking that you did not harm others, checking that you did not and will not harm yourself, checking that nothing terrible happened, that you did not make a mistake, and checking parts of your body to make sure they're all in check. The next common compulsion is repeating. So rereading or rewriting things, repeating routine activities, such as getting up and getting down from your chair, moving your body in certain ways, having repetitive movements that you do with your body, like you can always lift your arm up, or you can always get up out of your chair, stretch, sit back down, and then do the same thing again, maybe two minutes later. And the last compulsion is mental compulsions, where you mentally review events to prevent harm. You are praying to prevent harm. And another one that is also kind of strange is counting while performing a task in order that you end on a quote-unquote good number or a safe number that you deem safe or good. 
and you can also cancel or undo things like replacing a bad word with a good word to cancel it out and other compulsions are like avoidance behaviors that they list here it could be anything from not wanting to go to your friend's house because you think something really bad will happen but of course those things just happen over and over again and they habituate so if you avoid it one time you're probably going to think about it the next time if you do truly have ocd where someone who doesn't have ocd might just think about something bad happening at their friend's house one time but then go the next the person with ocd will probably have that obsessive thought over and over again each time they are asked to go over to that specific person's house this we also touched on a little bit as well, but now we'll go over who gets OCD and at what age. So OCD equally affects men, women, and children of all races, ethnicities, and backgrounds. And it can start anywhere from preschool to being an adult, essentially saying that it can happen at pretty much any age. But the most common age tends to be from 8 to 12 and from your late teen years to early adulthood. And like I said earlier, about 1% of the U.S. population, or 2 to 3 million adults in the U.S., currently have OCD. To give a rough example, this is about the same amount of people that live in the city of Houston, Texas. And the number is about half, so half a percent of kids in the U.S. have OCD, which means that in a normal elementary average size school, there are likely to be four or five students with OCD. So now we can talk about what causes OCD. And the information that's out there is actually that most of the cases, they actually do not know what the cause of OCD was. But research suggests that differences in the brain and genes of those affected may play a role. And it seems to be a brain disorder that involves problems in communication between the front part of the brain and deeper structures of the brain. And the problem here is that the neurotransmitter serotonin is changed in a different way which is why medications like SSRIs are most commonly used for people with OCD. And people with OCD necessarily or might necessarily need higher doses of SSRI treatment to really feel the effects of it working. And research also shows that OCD does run in families and it seems to be a genetic problem for some people. But again, that is only maybe partially responsible for causing the disorder. Again, no one really knows what essentially causes OCD. So how is OCD diagnosed? Well, it can only be diagnosed by a therapist, psychologist, or a psychiatrist. And the three things that they will look for are is that the person has obsessions, he or she does compulsions, and finally, the compulsions and obsessions take a lot of time and get in the way of important activities the person values, such as working, going to school, or spending time with friends. And finally, we can talk about the most effective treatments for OCD, so the most effective treatments for OCD seem to be cognitive behavioral therapy, better known as CBT in the mental health community, and also medication, like I said earlier, SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, which basically just increase the amount of serotonin hanging around in your synapse. And a newer approach seems to be extremely useful for people with OCD, and it's ERP therapy, which is exposure and response prevention therapy which I think I will do a deep dive on in a later episode. But that's basically like doing an exposure for something that you would typically avoid if you have OCD. And the stat listed here is that ERP combined with medication will improve symptoms in about 70% of those with OCD. That stat is very interesting because I want to mention it for the 30% of people that it doesn't work. For those people, I would say either to find a new therapist maybe try a different medication, but never stop looking until you feel you're getting better. 
because I myself have been doing ERP this whole past year, but through maybe a dozen different therapists until I finally found a, a good one to do it through now that I've been with for the past couple months. But for me, since I had a negative reaction to mindfulness meditation, doing an exposure like I was asked to do for things that I was scared about that I thought were contaminated, my way or their way of teaching me to digest that experience or that exposure was to sit and accept it. And while that might work for, like it says, 70% of people, I definitely fell into the category of the 30% that it did not work for. That only enhanced my anxiety and made me have full-blown panic attacks, which essentially failed my exposures because I think I became even more afraid of doing those little exposures because of the reaction that I had, which is the response prevention. So never stop looking for someone who can actually help you. And remember that they are working for you. And if something isn't working for you, in terms of what they're telling you, just tell them and tell them that this is making things way worse. And if they still try to go about their way of doing things, then just simply look for someone else. You can cut them off whenever you want. But yeah, I just wanted to say that because it is so important to find the right therapist and to find the best help that you can with the best research because this is just all about wanting and needing you to get better so that you can do normal activities like going to see your friends and not having obsessive thoughts about it or still having those obsessive thoughts but not reacting to them in the same way that you used to. And lastly, just about OCD, I wanted to say that a lot of people seek reassurance for when they have OCD to make sure that their fear isn't a reality. I was doing this a lot when I was in the beginning stages of my disorder of contamination OCD. I would ask my friends if they thought that something had been contaminated that I thought really was, which of course it wasn't. But this only made my OCD worse because each time I would come back and ask again for their reassurance and to make sure that it was okay. And I don't want to say all reassurance is bad because it's really not. Some reassurance is good. Other people think what they're getting is reassurance when they're really getting support. And support is always, or for the most part, useful for most people, I would say. It's really just when you are coming back over and over again to seek the reassurance that it might be a problem and might also be worsening your OCD. And the same thing goes for avoidance behaviors. So starting to avoid things over and over again you might start to see a problem, and that's when you actually want to work on trying not to avoid those things. But yeah, I know this episode was long, and I always finish with a quote, and this is a quote specific to OCD, and it goes in quotes, Tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself, and that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams. End quote. And that quote was by Paolo Coelho, and I also hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And I will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more about me or what I'm doing, you can go to my website at someoflife.org. There, there's a bunch of resources and contact information as well as ways in which you can contribute. And on the contribute page, there is my Patreon, which has a $5, $15, and $50 tier or option. And all three of these options are a one-time, once-a-year charge. So I know it says per episode, but... I, as the Patreon host of that page, get to decide when to charge my patrons. And if you subscribe to one of those tiers, I'll be sure to only charge you once for the whole entire year. The $5 tier, for example, is just supporting the show. $15 gets you a custom wall art that has to do with mental health. 
and $50. I donate half of the proceeds to a mental health institute of your choosing. But all these ways and tiers help the show, and I highly appreciate it if you even just check it out. Podcasting and doing this is a lot more work than one would think, and I definitely learned that just by doing this. And which is why I'm also plugging my Venmo, which is just at Liam underscore Scully, which is at L-I-A-M underscore S-C-U-L-L-Y. Any donation via Venmo or Patreon is highly appreciated. And if you want to keep up with me, the best way is either to email me at liamscully at someoflife.org or to follow my Instagram page, which is at someoflifepodcast. My Instagram page, I post pretty consistently every three days. So that is probably the best place to follow me. And you can also DM me on there as well. But thank you guys so much again for listening. And I'll see you.